I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeBreeze, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Sean Whetstone. I am a not-so-happy hammer. That's West Ham to you and me. Um, I, you can find me on Twitter, at West Ham Football. I blog for Clarence Hugh and West Ham Till I Die. Hi, my name is Gittos Whelan, Swansea City fan and also contributor to the Jackcast podcast, which you can find on Twitter at the Jackcast. Joshy here, Manchester United fan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at doc underscore Joshy and various casts and uh, YouTube channels that I contribute to. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, Sean, it's been a while since we've had you on, so I guess we have a lot of news to catch up on on the whole, but what's been happening uh, over there West Ham way? Well, do you know what it is, Kev? I'm not saying it's deliberate, you being a Spurs fan, but you always invite me on when West Ham are doing really badly. And funny enough, when we beat Spurs or a big team, you never invite me on. It always seems to be hmm. doom and gloom. Um, but no, we've, uh, we're not doing very well, are we? We're not winning games. We've, we've lost three games on the bounce. Um, and it's hard to see where our next game's coming from, really. Um, or our next win's coming from. Um, it was awful. You know, I was at the London Stadium um, on Saturday conceded two goals you're really up for it and you think come on then you know Leicester have been really poor they haven't won an away game for 11 months and we're 2-0 down after six minutes I mean where'd you go from there um I have a little we have a rule right I've been a season ticket for many many years we have a rule if you're 3-0 down before half time you're allowed to go so um I got very close to going um, but the first half was absolutely atrocious. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm speechless. You know, the, the, as much as I love, love Slavin Bilic, and we all do, and we think he's a great man, I just, some of his tactics just confound me. And, right, for novelty value, he played a right-back in right-back position, which is a first for him. Um, but you sort of got to say how long is it going to go on? Um, yes, when you look at right at the end of the game, if you watch the game, we could have got an equaliser and maybe wouldn't have been so downtrodden um, today. But, um, you know, it's cumulative effect of, of loss after loss and lots of draws. I think we haven't won a game for eight, seven games now. Uh, and you can't forget, you know, there's our chairman last week talking about you know, we're aiming for an eighth spot. And, and and the rest of us are going, wake up and smell the roses. 
we're not out of this relegation um, dogfight yet. You know, you never know. We could be sucked back in it. We still got to get quite a few points. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot worse teams in in the league this year. So I do think we'll be all right. But you can't be complacent. You know, you've got to you've got to get that magic 40 points. And at the moment, as a West Ham fan, I just don't see where the next win's coming from. I've looked at the next, the remaining games, and I'm going, mm, maybe Burnley away at the end of the season, the last game of the season. Uh, and apart from that, I'm not, I'm not seeing a win. Um, and Burnley are profoundly good at home. Yeah, I know. So you're even going to take that away from me, Kev? Um, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I just, I mean, obviously we're not going to get rid of Salavan Bilic. Um uh, before the end of the season, there's no point. Uh, but it does show you Shakespeare, um, you know, who, who replaced Ranieri at Leicester. He's won five games, including this one against West Ham. You know, so it does show you the new the new manager bounce does work. You know, here's a man, Ranieri, who won the Premier League, delivered the unthinkable. He gets sacked. You know, Leicester actually looked in relegation trouble. Everyone moaned about it and said, oh, my God, that's not cricket. But it worked, and they've won five games on the trot. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we need to we need to get to the summer, um, survive in the Premier League, and then we need to reform. We need to decide who's in our squad, who's out, and whether our manager stays or not. But, um, yeah. That's all I want to say at the moment. It's quite depressing. <laughs> well, there, there was a lot of um, excitement around West Ham coming into the season um, at, with the new stadium. Obviously, Pia coming off a terrific summer at the Euros. Um, bringing in Andre Ayew, I thought, was a very good signing. And something has gone wrong this season. Do you think that's mostly Billich? Do you blame the stadium at all, which was kind of the early uh, suspect that people were pointing at? But why do you think there have been so many struggles for West Ham this season? Well, funny enough, I was just asked the same question on BBC earlier, and we would they said, you know, does Slav have an excuse that we move stadiums? Well, I've done a bit of research on this. First of all, the size of the pitch. The size of the pitch is a Premier League standard, which is at the Emirates and seven other um, Premier League sides. So, so the, there are eight Premier League sides, in addition to West Ham, that have got exactly the same dimensions, right? So it's not like we've never played on a pitch this size and, mm-hmm. and it's confusing us. Secondly, moving to a different stadium. Now, professional footballers shouldn't be, you know, all suddenly, oh, well, that's a slightly different format or a slightly different, it's an oval shape, and that means we play a game back. Oh, come on. You know, I've looked at many different clubs that have moved stadium. Some have done poorly. Some have done well. Spurs, you know, could use the same excuse at Wembley with with Champions League at the moment. But I don't buy it. You know, I don't believe stadia make players pay differently so I, I just think it's an excuse I think the main reason we've done badly there's two reasons the first one is we spent 50 million quid and didn't do very well you know we we bought Simone Zazar in we bought Tor in um, we bought in Caleri we bought in Font we bought in Snodgrass we bought in none of these have really worked we bought in Faguli we bought in I'm trying to remember uh, Northout uh, and AU, yeah, and AU, 20 million pound record signing hasn't worked out for us. The, the 50 million has been poorly spent, it hasn't worked out. Slavin Bilic, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, David Sullivan, he's he's he did all the signings. No, I get told 
that Slavin Bilic signs off each and every single signing. Otherwise, they don't come. You know, he, he's a proud man. He wouldn't have it any other way. So he signs off on all of them. Did Clary probably come through David Sullivan? Yes. Did some of them come through our head of recruitment, um, Tony Henry? Yes. But a lot of these were, were Bilic's choices to begin with, or in the case probably of Clary, he signed off on them. And therefore, he's got to take his uh, share of the blame. And, and finally, stop playing people out of positions. You know, Antonio is not a right back. Um, uh, Chiati is not a right back um, or a centre forward. And, and it's just he almost wants to prove a point by playing people out of position. And it's like everyone else can see what he can't see. You've got Ian Wright and Michael Owen and all the commentators going, why is he doing that? You know? Kiati's not a right back. He's he's not disciplined enough. He's he's not he's not skilled enough in that role. And you just go and everyone's shouting at the TV. But he's a stubborn man, and it doesn't it doesn't matter how many people tell him. Um, so I think the tide is slightly turning. Great guy, lovely guy, passionate guy, West Ham through and through. But has he got a plan B? And will he be able to pick up his his game by the end of the season? I just don't know. Mm. All right, definitely something to keep an eye on. Gitto, last time we had you on, everything was super rosy. Things were going great for Swansea. You had Sigurdsson just scoring and assisting at will, basically. And it looked like you had a pretty uh, nice run of fixtures ahead of you. Now a couple of uh, stumbles later, and it looks like you're right back in the, the thick of the relegation fight. Uh, what's been going on over there at Swansea? Yeah, I think my uh, appearance um, uh, on on this podcast um, jinxed us, basically. <laughs> um, so uh, I hope you're happy with yourself. Um, we, yeah. I'm getting a lot of flack early on in the show. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, we, yeah, we, we were, um, I mean, the last time I was on here, we'd just beaten Burnley 3-2 in. Um, and that was a, a, a real high point in the season. Um, and, and everything was just going great um, since then. Um, last week against Hull, um, things just went against us. Really, we had injuries at bad times. A, a poor refereeing decision went against us, um, and we we wasted some good opportunities to score. And it was just you got the feeling there was one of those days, you know, that where things just don't go your way. Um, against Bournemouth um, on Saturday, it was a, it was a little bit different. That we we really genuinely did not play well um, for the first time. Yeah, for, for probably the first time since Paul Clement's been here, it, it was a genuinely poor performance. You know, up there with um, the kind of thing that we were putting, uh, well, the kind of thing that we were seeing week in, week out um, under Bob Bradley, just with fewer goals conceded. Um, but uh, it, it, it was, it, it was a bit of a worry. I'll be honest, because we, we, you know, we we had this run of fixtures which we thought were. Uh, winnable, or at the very least, junior points out. Then we we beat Burnley, yes, but we we've now lost to Hull um, and lost to Bournemouth, and it, it is basically the the circumstances surrounding the, the performance that that really get you worrying after the Bournemouth one because um, nobody had a particularly good game. Um, the formation was was bizarre, uh, and none of the players seemed to know what they were doing. Um, uh, we. Well, we had injury problems. Uh, we didn't have a fit right back, so we had Leroy Fair playing at right back. Um, I, I mean, it, it was uh, Sean was complaining about 
Mikel Antonio playing a right back for West Ham, I would have gladly taken Mikel Antonio ahead of um, uh, ahead of Leroy Fair because he he just did not look yeah. at all in that position. Um, the, the, Fortunately, the modern wing back doesn't have to hustle a whole lot back and forth, so it perfectly suits Fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, though. I mean, oh, okay, if you have to play a posi- a player out of position at right back. Fine, you sometimes have to do that. But Leroy Fair, what about Leroy Fair? It makes you think he's going to be an effective fullback. It mm. made no sense from the start. Absolutely crazy. But Fernando Llorente didn't look fit. We didn't really create much. Um, Jordan Ayew had his first start. And uh, he's just... We, I, I have no idea what we're going to do with him. He's He just looks out of sorts in every single position we've tried so far. Um and we had the same kind of problem with Andre when he was here that we couldn't find his best position. But Andre Ayew was so good, he could work as a as a striker, as a number 10 or as a winger, even if you could see it wasn't his best position. With Jordan Ayew, he's just not good enough to do that. He's he's nowhere near the standard of his brother. So it's that of a problem. But generally, it was just sluggish performance. Bournemouth were easily the best team, could have scored more. Um and, and really, the international break can't come soon enough. Uh, we we need to regroup now um, because we've got a, a, another big game coming up in two weeks against Middlesbrough. Um, and, and they looked improved today against Manchester United, even if, you know, they, they still frustrated you to death. But, uh, you know, it, that, that you expect it to be a, a tough game. And, um, yeah, we, we need to go back to doing what we were doing well before. Um, before the, the whole match, because we've we've lost our weight slightly in the last two games, and it is a little bit worrying because other teams down the bottom are winning and are pulling clear of the relegation zone. Yeah, on a little bit more of a positive, um, a lot of football fans, especially in the fantasy realm, really started paying attention to Alfie Mawson because he's now uh, second highest scoring defender in the Premier League at the moment. Um, what's what's the story behind Mawson, especially in real life, as to what he's helped bring to this defense? Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, he's a, he's a fantasy dream, really, because he scores. He, he's he's one of our most potent goal scorers at the moment. He's um, <laughs> he's it's it's bizarre. We've never been very good from set pieces, but now we've got Mawson and Gilfie supplying him with awesome crosses. Um, yeah, he's he's loving life in that box. Um, the other side of, of things, it, it's not quite as as rosy. He's still got a little bit to learn defensively. Um, there's no doubt about that. And, and but you know, he's he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders. He's he's carrying the defence at the moment. He is, even though he's only 22, he's acting like the senior partner uh, in the centre back partnership. He's he's the one that's being asked to organise the defence, and um, he's doing a decent job of it, considering the the players that. That surround him. Um, so, but but yeah, he's. I mean, he's in, he's very strong in the air. Um, brilliant feet. Um, I mean, there, there is a bit of a of John Stones in him. You know, he's he's um, and and both of them came through at Barnsley. Um, but you know, he's he's a fantastic passer of the ball and, and very confident dribbling. Um, he he just doesn't lose possession and, and like I say, he contributes goals too. So he's. Fantastic in that respect, but defensively still a little bit of work to do. Um, do you think it's and, just age? Y- yes, and well, you know, you, 
it, it's sometimes dangerous to just assume that a player is going to improve with age. Um, it's we've seen plenty of promising youngsters, um, especially English ones, who people have said, "Oh, future England captain, future England captain," and then actually they don't really you know live up to that. I mean, John Stones is still young and could still turn out like that. But the one I'm thinking about most of all is Phil Jones, who um, you know was built for, age, uh, for ages and ages and ages as a future will beat and he's just not turned out like that um, so you don't want to overhype at all but you ask him about off the field too and he is um, by all accounts a, a, you know, a, a really wonderful human being too, he's, he does a lot off the field he's, a, a, he's just a nice guy um, and uh, he's, he's got a little personality about him too so he's the kind of guy that you love to have around the club, and hope we're hoping that he's the next Ashley Williams, um, that he's going to be around for years to come, um, and that he is going to be the the, the person that we build our defence around. Um, and and that rebuilding job can't come soon enough because the rest of our defence is awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to hear you mention the set piece thing because I forgot that in years past you used to concede loads of headed goals and never score them. And it seems like you've gotten better at both ends um, yeah. in that yeah. regard. So that's definitely an improvement. And uh, hopefully we get to see more of it in the Premier League next season. Um, all right. Now coming to you, Joshy, talking about Manchester United. Obviously a depleted team today with uh, no Ibrahimovic, no Pogba, no Herrera. Uh, Martial, uh, I think, came on as a sub uh, later on in that match. But uh, was, it, was it just about the three points today? We've had uh, three games in six days, starting with Chelsea in the FA Cup on Monday, then Rostov in Europa League on Thursday, um, and obviously the game today. So that's two away games. Um, and obviously the week before that, we had the round trip to Russia. So it's a lot of football and some travelling in there. See, I wasn't expecting a huge amount of sort of free-flowing, exciting football. Uh, and the result was the most important thing, and obviously got it. Um, and I think it was actually a pretty, it was a decent performance, um, sort of all all around slow, um, and then got back into got into the game, and our pace really caused problems for 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 Middlesbrough. Rashford took apart the Bernardo several times. Lingard was actually very good, and um, yeah, I think we deserved. A, points although at the back again looking shaky with this uh, back line that um, Jose has been going for which turned into a hand back line I think by the end of today's game I think we had centre-backs on or four centre-backs on the pitch today I'm not really sure why we've started playing this uh, 3-4-3 or 3-5-1-1 or whatever it is he's playing but for some reason that's that's the way he's gone and I'm not really a fan of it. I don't think it, you know, it gets the best out of our best players. And it, and, and the centre backs were aren't like the likes of Smalling, uh, Jones, Rojo. They have a mistake in them anyway. And then you're piling them all in together in the same sort of area. And and then they're just basically, I don't think they they're positionally good to play that that role um, that form. And we don't have anyone at the back who's good enough on the ball to step out of that three-man defence. Um, so it's you know a lot of the time Smalling is being bypassed, which is a good thing actually. But in the end, it's like having one less man. And then by the end of the game, 
Rojo, Joe, Smalling, Bayi as four centre-backs. It was so weird. They were like within about 10, 12 metres each other. And then we had Valencia at right wing-back and Ashley basically playing as a left-back. So it was the weirdest formation. And um, obviously, uh, you know, that with that kind of flat-back six, which is basically what we were playing, you're inviting pressure on and and we allowed Middlesbrough to get back in the game. Smalling with absolutely horrendous um, error, um, allowing sort of uh, allowing. I think it was just just set the goal. So it was it was just a bit of a weird um, weird performance. And we had one. We had I mean three against Chelsea. Uh, Herrera got sent off, and immediately Mourinho brought on Fellaini. And I was I just I had no idea why. We lost Herrera, but you could we could have still gone to a four four one, which a lot of teams do play when they're down to ten men, and it still offers that. Especially with someone like Rashford with his pace, um, but he brought Fellaini on, and we basically sat back the whole for about an hour. It was just a weird performance, and then against Rostov as well. Again, it was a little bit odd, and um, we only so it was. It's been an interesting week. In contrast to the other two we've just had on, our right-back has been phenomenal <laughs> this season. Um, and he started off as a right-winger, but he, um, and, and the, whole se- the whole season he's been like a machine and he basically scored the one type of goal he sort of deserves because he just put Valdez under so much pressure um, and he didn't give up. You know, A lot of players would have just given up on it as it went towards the key bogged back into position getting set to defend the the kick but he chased it down yes Valdez slipped but he probably wouldn't have slipped if he wasn't under pressure he would have had time to take a touch etc and and then he and obviously Valencia scored the goal so you know shout out to him because he's been really good all season and he got that goal so yeah end of the day you did get the three points I do uh have a question though about Marcus Rashford obviously he's gotten a couple starts here because there have been issues with the other forwards, with suspensions and injuries and such. Um, and I, Let's rewind back to the summer when you brought in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And uh, a lot of people were questioning whether or not Zlatan would do well in the Premier League. We now know that. That's been put to bed. But the other question was, would it stunt Rashford's development and Martial's development, where he's kind of been shunted out wide, Rashford just basically not getting the minutes anymore? Have you seen that to be the case? Um. Well, taking it back to the summer, I thought that someone like Ibrahimovic would be the more ideal signing in terms of Rashford's development. First of all, you know, given his background, his history, his his um, career, his record, he's obviously a leader, massive um, personality, and obviously a, a quality player. So there's all, a lot of things for Rashford to learn from him, and he's a he's a top professional in terms of the way he trains, looks after himself. So all of those things are things that Rashford. Uh, you know, even at the time, I think he could look up to. The other thing is, at what I mean, thirty-five, I think he was when he signed. Um, he was he wasn't a long-term signing, obviously. So, a couple of years, or even just the one season, or you know, whatever, playing under Zlatan, he can learn a lot. And it doesn't mean that he's going to be consigned to the bench for four, five, six years. Had we signed. For example, I'm not saying that we would have done, but had we signed someone like, say, Lewandowski or Griezmann or someone like that, if they'd come in, 
um, they're obviously going to be the number one striker, and that's for the long term. So in terms of his development, I wasn't worried at the time. As the season has gone on, um, at the beginning, he wasn't really getting the minutes. But I think over the course of the season, he has got a lot of minutes and a lot of appearances. Um, yes, out wide, and hence his sort of his goal scoring um, has been a bit poor this season. I, don't, I think he hasn't scored in his last 17 starts now or something like that, which obviously isn't great for him, but he's playing out wide. And when you watch him, you can see his um, his his pace is still is is always going to be a problem, and but he's taking players on. He creates things. He's got good skill. His build up play and touch, I think, have improved, and his awareness and his movement have improved. His finishing and his end product have kind of suffered, and whether that's because of a lack of confidence or or what, I'm not sure. But I think that that's something that we we. We've seen in strikers before, especially young strikers, that they, they hit hot streaks and then they go on off the boil. So I'm not worried about that. I don't think it's an inherent inability to score goals because obviously he scored goals at the begin- uh, um, He scored goals last season and, and sort of exploded onto the scene. So I think it's been good for him to learn from a, prof- um, a sort of top professional like Zlatan. Um, he may want he may sort of feel like he'd like more minutes through the middle. But um, I think in the long run, this will do him good. He's only, what, 18, 19 years old. Um, and he's like today against Middlesbrough. He didn't get a goal and he probably should have done. But he was getting into those goal scoring positions. He was absolutely burning um, the Middlesbrough defenders for pace. I mean, over short distances as well. You know, over, the, over like 10 metres, he's suddenly two, three metres ahead of the defender. Over five metres, he just went past Bernardo like he wasn't there. So, you know... He's got a lot better at, at sort of running those channels and he's creating opportunities for his teammates as well. So it's difficult to say. I mean, I, I don't think that he should have any complaints in terms of the number of minutes he's getting. Perhaps he, should, he, he might feel he, he should get more games through the middle. But other than that, I think he's, he's had a decent season in terms of his performances, if, even if the goals haven't come. So I think he'll have, he'll have to, and he seems like someone who's got his head in the right place because when he's been interviewed, he's always been positive. He's always said, I've learned loads. Working with Zlatan on the training pitch is amazing, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he'll take this forward and it will be a learning experience for him. All right. It'll definitely be interesting to keep an eye on it. Uh, something that kind of popped in my mind as you were talking about, um, you know, how he was being propped up a little bit is when we, and I am <laughs> loathe to admit this, when we fell down to third at the end of last season, I thought that in the long run that could actually be good for us because it killed the hype going into the next season where we weren't going to be talked about title contenders. I'm just interested to see if, you know, the media gets after the young players so much, maybe being taken out of that spotlight will allow him to develop in a more healthy way long term. I don't know. It'll definitely be interesting to keep an eye on them. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, uh, for Tottenham, um, it started with some very good news today. Uh, we found out that Walker and Wanyama both passed their fitness tests. Um, obviously, uh, Sun Hyung men up front because Harry Kane was out. Um, with his injury, which basically every time we hear any news, the, the timetable is getting shorter. Um, the media jumped to rest of the season before he had even had his scans done. Uh, it did look like a high ankle sprain at the time, and it was basically confirmed as such when they compared it to the injury he sustained against Sunderland. So then we were thinking in that six to eight week time frame because he missed seven weeks during that one. Um, so then that's what everybody thought. And then the club came out and said four to six weeks, two of which, of course, will be this international break. Um, so we really could be back quite soon, hopefully before a certain Bournemouth match, <laughs> which I will be attending. Um, but it is very good news to hear that he's getting better. But we did have this dilemma of Sun or Jansen up front. Jansen, of course, scoring from open play against Millwall. Um, realize <laughs> that uh, not necessarily the opponents to really write on your resume there, but he did finally score from open play. So there was some thought of, you know, do you kind of feed the quote-unquote hot hand let him get the start. But no, we did start with Sun, which I think was the better choice. Um, and Sun kind of got some stick today. Um, I think uh, the role that he was fulfilling was a little bit like Firmino at Liverpool, where unless you're watching what he's doing off the ball, you're really missing a lot of the point of having um, this kind of wing forward mentality where they're dragging the defense around, laying balls off behind them, really running the channels and everything. I, I think for some reason that's a lot harder for people to... Um, validate than just a big striker in the middle. You see them, you see what they're doing. Um, but I, I think Sun played uh, very well, despite what some people may say, especially in the first half. But I don't think the drop-off in the second half was as severe as people said it was, and I don't think it was necessarily his fault. I think as a team, we kind of stepped off the gas a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't have a problem with that. Um, it will be interesting to see if Jansen actually starts the next match, because Sun will be traveling uh, to Korea to be uh, playing with the national team. And in the past, with Sun and Lamella in particular, these far-traveling players, Pochettino tends to like to give them a rest their first match back. So uh, if you see Jansen starting uh, in our next match two weeks from now, do not be surprised um, because a lot of those stars are kind of aligning. Um, that being said, Jansen was not as great as people were saying he was when he came on as a sub. He absorbed a lot of pressure. He put his back to goal, which is his greatest strength the one thing that's really translated from his time in the Netherlands to England. Um, obviously, the finishing has not necessarily come with it. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll be fine up front. The people that were writing him off saying we should sell him already, especially with the Soldado comparisons, Jansen is 23 years old. Soldado was 29. He was in his prime. He just scored 20 goals in four straight La Liga seasons. Soldado was meant to be the finished product and couldn't score goals. Jansen is a developing young player. <laughs> if anything... Even at the worst times, I was saying maybe alone next season. But, you know, we've, we've seen some upside. I think it's important to keep him at the club. You know, will right after I was talking about the Rashford thing, will we bring in somebody else ahead of him, which could stun his development? Maybe. I'm not sure Poch thinks that he can trust Jansen up front. In fact, the starting of Sun probably proves that he doesn't fully yet. Um, but, you know, give him a whole summer, see what happens. Hopefully he can be the backup striker that we need him to be. Um, as for the rest of the match, Southampton... Uh, are not nearly as good defensively as they were with Van Dyke and Jose Font, who, of course, is now with Sean there over at West Ham. Um, Van Dyke with a long injury. 
so us getting through them wasn't terribly surprising, especially at the beginning. Um, like I said, Sun was kind of running them ragged a bit. Uh, for the, the second goal, the penalty, uh, Sun had a beautifully chested ball down to Ali, who then kind of got hacked down in the box. Um, but Erickson's first goal was just absolutely terrific from outside the box. Since coming to the Premier League, no Premier League player has more goals from outside the box than Christian Eriksen. Um, he scored against Southampton again, which he just seems to love to do, uh, especially at White Hart Lane. Uh, so we'll see if that translates to the new stadium. And if not, we can definitely blame it um, on the stadium shift. Um, yeah, if, if you can afford it, Kev. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> the, the price of the stadium has definitely gone up, and a portion of that is because of the Brexit scenario. Apparently, the cost of the materials and everything has skyrocketed since then. So it will be interesting to see how that all gets handled. I think I read recently that the mayor had to intervene about something involving the stadium. I obviously am not <laughs> based in London. You still, um, yeah, you still, but, you still got raise the money. Question yeah. I want to ask you, Kev. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen the video. What were your boys thinking, singing "We hate Millwall, we hate Millwall" as a load <laughs> of Millwall fans? I mean, how crazy was that? Have you seen the video? Uh, yeah, I have. First of all, there's two things. Doesn't everyone is the first thing. The second thing is, yeah, you don't sing that to somebody's face. In fact, there was a a similar, quote unquote, quote unquote similar incident um, here in the states uh, when Tottenham played Liverpool a few years back. And there was a Arsenal-clad teenager um, singing a song that was referencing the Holocaust. Uh, and one of the bigger guys just knocked him the hell out. And it was very awkward because, do you stop? Do you see if he's okay? The moral of the story is just don't. And I think that that applies on both sides of that aisle. Maybe just don't. That's, that's my advice. Is to not incite that kind of things. Uh, wait, wasn't there a... Did Millwall play West Ham this season at some point? No, we haven't no? played uh, Millwall for some time. Oh, okay. The last time... <laughs> I just remember an incident with Millwall this and season. Like and like 100 arrests. Oh, <laughs> great. Standard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't would be my advice. Don't instigate fans in general, and especially not Millwall fans who seem to... Um, uh, enjoy that sort of thing. I'm really trying to not get into hot water here. So I'm going to keep talking about the Southampton match. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we did play very well in the first half, but we let them back into it a lot in the second half. Like I said, we were backing off a bit. The press was less consistent. Um, there were several times, specifically with Erickson, where he looked back to see who was marking the guy the pass was about to go to, and no one was there, and he was getting frustrated with that, um, which is entirely warranted. Uh, Toby was kind of at fault for the goal. And, you know, you're not going to blame him, just like we don't blame Hugo when he has problems. Because if you think about, you know, their impact on our defense and, and all the goals that they've prevented, uh, they have a lot of capital there to spend uh, before we would really get mad at Toby or Hugo for making any errors. Um, on the balance of the whole match, we probably did deserve to win. We probably should have had at least another in the first half. But they absolutely could have turned things on us in the second half um, after they got their goal. If Shane Long knew what offside was. Uh, they definitely could have had three or four goals because we were playing pretty high, um, which is something we, that we haven't tended to do as much of late with the high line because we really trust that back line so much. Um, on the injury front, I already talked about Harry Kane a little bit. The, the name that kind of has fallen through the cracks is Danny Rose, who has been one of the best left backs in the country this season, <laughs> which still tastes odd coming out of my mouth. But um, the fact that we've done what we've done without him, I think, is very impressive. We haven't lost since we lost Danny Rose uh, to injury. 
Um, the fact that he's going to be back next week is great. Uh, like I mentioned with the Kane thing, you're eating up two weeks of that recovery time with the international break. So all of a sudden, you know, it, it looked like we were fine for top four about three weeks ago. Then after the Kane injury, it was kind of thrown up in the air. But with today's result, kind of like I was talking about with Joshi, it was just the three points today. Just escape, get your three points without Kane or Rose. Be now two weeks closer to having them both back. Um, and it's starting to look better. Obviously, results went our way as well, which is definitely uh, a good thing. I'm not going to start looking at points or talking about gaps at all because I know better. But things are looking very good uh, for us at the moment. And hopefully we can come back from the international break and pick up points. And, oh, that, that is one more thing, is we picked up points heading into the international break, which had been a problem for us in past years and just hasn't seemed to be so this year. All right, Joshi, we kind of teased in your segment that we were going to come back to you um, about another Manchester United topic. That is Jose Mourinho mentioning this week that um, some of the TV scheduling, the fact that you had to play Rossoff late on Thursday but then had to play the early match today, that not enough is taken into account before some of these TV matches are scheduled because this match was actually scheduled before you knew that it was the Rostov draw. And if the match had been reversed, you would have had a trip to Russia and back before having an early match this weekend. Um, but we're going to open this up to the whole group. Do you think that this is an issue kind of throughout the Premier League? And if so, has it affected your club this season? Yeah, um, it has actually. And and not so much the local fans. And I suppose this is part of modern football. West Ham have more and more fans that come from all over Europe. In fact, some come in from the US and, and not long ago. Um, in fact, uh, the Chelsea game, I was in the corporate box and I <laughs> I was guest of two American hammers who <coughs> I'd never met. I met them online, but they come over twice a year and host a box and, and bring along bloggers and journalists and so on and so forth. And um, of course, on the Chelsea game was one of those where they booked their flights, they booked their hotel only for the game to move. Um, lucky enough, they, they were lucky enough to, to move their hotel and flights. But I think on the same game, the Chelsea game, the Scandinavian Hammers or the Finnish Hammers, I can't remember it was, they couldn't and they lost it all. They lost their their hotel. They lost their... Well, no, no, they came, they flew over, actually. They couldn't get the time off work. They flew over, came and did the stadium tour and then flew back again on the Sunday night before the game was played on the Sunday, even... Uh, sorry, the Monday, <coughs> even though they had the ticket. So this is the problem you know, while some of us can, you know, change our schedules locally, we forget that this is an international game and, and a UK-wide game. And some people can't just change their schedules and suddenly, you know, change their flights, change their hotels. And guess what? There's no compensation. If you've booked your hotel or you book your flight and there's no cancellation in it, because, you know, these airlines and will charge a lot more if, if you want to be flexible and even hotels do. Then, then you're left out of pocket just to suit the, um, the, the TV schedules. And um, personally, by the way, I just think this should all end. And we should just play all of the games on a Saturday afternoon like they are at the moment. You can choose them. Like you get in America, um, Kev, you can watch all, in a game on a Saturday afternoon that we mm -hmm. can't watch in the UK. Yeah, and uh, so, we also have replayability. We can go back and watch them in full online. Exactly. So if we schedule the games to begin with, right? And yeah, all right, you want to you want to move some of them out because um, 
you know, you, you don't want to watch them all on a Saturday. So some of the big games would be moved to a Sunday or, or a Monday. That's fine. But schedule them in the beginning of the season because you don't have to have this silly thing of first picks, who you're going to move, etc. It's not fair on the fans. Uh, and I know a number of people that have had to miss games because they've either had some kind of family arrangement or as I've just said, the, you know, they, they've lost their um, their flights or, or their hotels because uh, they weren't changeable. So, um, but it will fall on deaf ears, I'm afraid. <laughs> Nothing's going to change. Mean, I mean, yeah, that's that's obviously from a fan perspective and there are loads of issues and like stupid night games on a Monday night in London with Manchester you know, United fans travel all the way down to London and then you've got to get back up. You know, there's all sorts of examples of that. But I think, like, if we think, I mean, about what Jose Mourinho said, obviously he's looking at it from his the team perspective. So, I mean, from a fan perspective, we're not going to, nothing's going to change. From the team perspective, I think there more can be done in terms of helping clubs that are in Europe. Um, okay, I know I'm talking as a United fan and we're in Europe and it's affected us this week, but it is, I mean, a lot of the English teams have looked pretty tired in European matches and I don't think the Premier League helps in that. I mean, why why couldn't, say, for example, the United game be the afternoon game, just that extra bit of rest or even, you know, a Monday night game. I know it's international week, but, you know, there are lots of examples of uh, sort of special dispensation for certain players and certain um, matches when there is a scheduling con- conflict. So it, it, I can see where Jose is coming from, but at the same time, it, it just sounds like a bit of a an excuse or he's sort of making the excuse before the game starts and then uh, and then it's sort of ready-made for him in case we don't sort of do well. That's I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but it sometimes does sound like that because we do have a big squad. We do have players that haven't been playing and could have done a job, you know, against Middlesbrough who, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect them, but they are down at the bottom end of the league. They haven't scored that many goals. They're having issues getting results. I think that was the first goal they scored today in, in 600 minutes or something ridiculous. They've gone a, a long time without scoring goals. Yeah, so worst attack play, in the Premier League. Yeah, so players like, um, you know, Luke Shaw, he's not been getting minutes. Uh, Schweinsteiger, he's sort of was out of favour, then back in favour, was on the bench quite a few times, came on, and now he's not. At, he's out of favour again. You know, so he's not really been getting any minutes. Um, then you've got youth players like Timothy Fosu-Mensah, who I think should be getting minutes, and certainly against a team like Middlesbrough, um, he could have done a job. If, he's, if, if Jose was really that worried about... Um, uh, uh, you know, players being overstretched and exhausted, then why isn't he using these fringe players who actually, sh- in my opinion, like someone like Luke Shaw shouldn't be a fringe player. I think he, he played a game of, uh, well, four games back. He started and he, I thought he did really well. Um, and then someone like Timothy Fossumensa, he can get the minutes in, you know, he's a young player and, and I think he's a very good player. So, it, it's a weird excuse or weird thing for Jose to be bringing up, but it's something that I do think the Premier League can do better. Um, I just think that it's, again, it, it's something that they probably won't, um, it, like we said, it's falling on deaf ears. I think I'll just carry on because there's too much money in the game. That will always come first. I think um, I, th- I think sooner or later it is, it is going to change. I think the Premier League are going to um, just give the... Your, 
the teams competing in Europe that little bit more help because, like, I mean, the point that Mourinho makes is that other leagues do adjust the fixtures to give their um, European um, clubs the best possible chance because I think we've discussed this before. You know, it, it is it is in the Premier League's interest that clubs like United, like um, City, like uh, Leicester, now, of course, um, you know, they're competing in uh, Europe. It's in the Premier League's interest that they succeed, that they regularly reach quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, and boost the Premier League's coefficient. It, it, it's great for the um, league's reputation. Um, so I think sooner or later, probably sooner rather than later, the Premier League is going to have to listen to the bigger clubs and, 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 and take on um, what they're saying. Um, because you want to keep the big clubs happy. You also want to... Um, you know, you do want them to do well in Europe. I think I'd have more sympathy for this um, di- well discussion, etc. That that if it was someone other than Mourinho who had said this, <laughs> um, because every I got the stage now with Mourinho that anything he says, I just I just listen. I just don't listen to it. I cannot listen to the guy because ninety nine percent of what comes out of his mouth is just mind games and nonsense. And it, and, and I think he gets way too much attention in the media. Um, for I, I mean, he could, he could say the most ludicrous thing ever and, and people obsess about it and discuss it and dissect it flat out. So I actually blanked out what he says and I, because I, um, it's just usually just whinging or attention seeking or mind games and I've got no interest, but yeah, actually for once he, he does raise an important point to And, um, um, it's a shame that he said they're uh, not somebody I'd listen to, like I don't know <laughs> any of the other managers in the Premier League. <laughs> it is yeah, I mean, definitely. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there, Joshy. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. All right, uh, yeah, I um, do think it's a very interesting point, and it is true. Um, there's an interesting goal article on this right now that I just saw. Not to plug my <laughs> own company, but um, three of the top five shortest turnarounds. Uh, in the Premier League have had to be United's and five of the top ten. So it is provable that Manchester United have actually been stuck with this. I agree with Gitto. Uh, it is easy to just discount what Mourinho says, um, especially because he tends to blame external forces for a lot of internal problems. It seems to be his way of getting pressure off the players and everything. <laughs> but uh, So while it is true that Manchester United have been kind of on the short stick of this turnaround time, they've only lost one of those matches. And it was to Chelsea, who are pretty much beating everyone, you know, except for Tottenham. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of this, it's more true than some people think. And it's also less true than some people think. I just think that's that's a very interesting caveat to this whole thing. Mm. Now, I mean, I think obviously Jose is talking about Manchester United and how it's affect us this, affected us this season. But the wider point, uh, which Gitto's uh, sort of alluded to, is, is true. Yeah. Because English teams in Europe over the last few years, I don't think... When was the last time? I mean, City were in the semi-finals last year. Is that right? And then, uh, mm. other than that, I don't remember too many um, teams getting past the quarter-final stage. English teams, and I'm not saying it's solely down to the fixture congestion that these teams face, but um, other clubs do make concessions for uh, their bigger sides that are progressing through Europe, as was mentioned earlier. And it's something that, on a wider note, not not sort of 
sticking at United, it is something that sh- sort of should um, should be considered. But like you know, the Premier League generates so much money that at the moment it's not being taken into account. It's when a team loses, when we lose a, that fourth place because of the poor coefficient, that's when things will be like, oh, well, maybe we should do more or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, everyone has their opinions on Jose Mourinho, but I think, you know, there is something to be said for what, what he was going on about. Although, even as a Manchester United fan, I do think that the way he's he's sort of said it this week and, and the way he brought it up wasn't... I, I just don't subscribe to it because we do have a good-sized squad. We, I mean, we were able to let go of Schneiderlin in Memphis in January, and still we do have a lot of play, uh, players... And it just sort of baffles me that he plays a formation which is designed to get the best out of the likes of Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia. I love Antonio Valencia this season, but our best players are not our wing backs. So I don't see why we're playing that formation. So it's up to him. So yeah, there's a lot to be said for um, not listening to him at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to your larger point about other leagues caring more, uh, as I mentioned at the very top of this, they made this TV schedule before they even knew who you'd be playing in the Europa League. And then you yeah. drew kind of the wrong opponent in Rostov. But fortunately, you had this turnaround at home. But you could have had to go to Russia before doing this, which would have been insane. And I think would have uh, lent a lot more credence to what he was saying publicly um, for people that didn't look into it. All right. And now we will head into Player Watch, where we're going to talk about a player that impressed and one that disappointed for our club this weekend. If there's not anybody that disappointed you in particular, you can mention somebody that particularly stood out from the other side. Uh, so we'll start with you, Sean. Who impressed for West Ham? Can we start who who didn't impress? I, the, sure. The you whole can. team. You can do two if you want. <laughs> well, no, I'm going to go for nine of them. Nine of them upset me. I'll tell you who I've been disappointed with. Um, I've been disappointed. You were talking about early fonts. Yeah. You know, you said Southampton missed uh, Font. They could have him back. I think he was a, a poor <laughs> buy, and he's he's just not really done very well for us. Um, we we've lost um, we've lost Reed uh, as well in injury in, in the game. Um, Cresswell is just a shadow of his former self. Um, Byron's not up for it, even though he's a right back. Don't want to be unfair to him. Um, Mark Noble was dropped and. And and you know what? I really can't pick anyone in the whole team. Andy Carroll is is just a China doll. We're just waiting for him to break. The only two people I'm going to be really really harsh. I'm moving on on who impressed. There's only two people I'd keep in the current squad, and that is Mikel Antonio and Manuel Manuel Lanzini. Yeah. And they're the only two. I'd sack the rest of them. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> rebuild, <Yeah>. rebuild, scratch. <laughs> start the season, start the summer with two players in your squad. <laughs> to be fair, Hull basically tried that players. this year. <laughs> so who start? Who tried that? Hull. They started with eight, or what was it? They yeah, only yeah. had uh, eighteen available players. Yeah, uh, <laughs> two is less than eighteen, that. though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's probably a knee-jerk reaction. That's the way I feel at the moment. Um. <laughs> People just not putting enough to, of a shift in to warrant their place. And we know that a lot of them have got skill, but, you know. Cresswell's a really good point. Yeah. He was so good last season. Yeah. And he, he's a shadow of his former self. And um, On both ends of the pitch? Because definitely the attacking Sorry? presence has gone down. Has he been a disappointment d- defensively as well? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Since he came back from injury, he's been a big disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Byram, I don't think we're, we're, I'm told that we will listen to offers from Byram on the summer if if a championship wow. wants to come in for him uh, and take him back to the championship. We wouldn't stand in their way as long as we can get our money back, uh, which what is about, a shame. Um, what about Mark Noble? You, you're not a fan. Oh, I love Mark Noble. I've met Mark Noble a number of times. He's Mr. West Ham, but he's too slow. Um, I just think we get a bit too nostalgic for Mark Noble. You know, that he was born in Canning Town and he, you know, he's West Ham through his veins and everything else. He got, he criticised the fans this week. And, and also, um, I mean, we've known this on the blog for some time, but he'd been playing for an injury for only three games and not been up front with the medical staff. Um, and suddenly he, he criticised the fans, said they didn't understand football. He then tried to re-explain himself. He's been given a week off and, um, and admitted he'd been playing with an injury, which, which, is, which is not on really. Um, so, you know, we love him as a captain. We love him as a player. It's a bit like Billage, I was saying earlier. You know, he's a great guy. <laughs> But is he a is he a world class Premier League footballer? I'm afraid the answer is no. Right, I'm on, just looking could... through the West Ham squad online. Sorry, the, the, yeah. the West Ham squad online, and and actually agree with you. I don't see there's not much there really to that. You would sort of go, okay, he's this, he's that. It is a bit yeah. sort of bitty, isn't it? Mm. It is. Yeah, we are in agreement. Let's <laughs> so sack them all. Uh... A sack them all and start again. <laughs> Do it. Just start over again. Uh, Gitto, I thought that you might be a little bit downtrodden in this segment, but it, it'd be hard to outdo that. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to suggest sacking the entire playing squad. Um, just um, no. I'm not even going to suggest that. Um, I th- it is like like Sean. It's difficult to pick people who actually impressed against Bournemouth because the whole team really had a, had a poor afternoon. Um, if anybody can emerge with any kind of credit, they'd say it's probably Tom Carroll. Um, yeah, he, he tried his best, but nothing. None of the players around him were actually up to the job. Um, even you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson, say who, who's been sensational over the last few weeks, he had an off day. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it's tough to pick a person who actually impressed, and it's equally tough to pick up one person who, who disappointed more than any other, but I, I'll go for Federico Fernandez. Um, I'm not going to pick on Leroy Fair because he was playing in a ridiculous position, uh, which is, which he should never have been doing. Um, but yeah, Federico Fernandez, um, he's, um, he, he, he was brilliant when he first came here and had a really good partnership with Ashley Williams. Last season, he had a poor season and seemed to be making mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, this season, that's continued, um, and there was a tiny little improvement when 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 uh, uh, Clement took over. Uh, we thought, oh, is there some chance that we're getting the old player back? But he's still making mistakes. Even when he's having good games, he still makes mistakes. And and yesterday, when you look at that first goal for Bournemouth, the way he just gets sucked out of position so easily, he just he doesn't think, and he, and he's ah, uh, it, it's infuriating because it puts the rest of the team under so much pressure and like I was saying earlier it's not really fair on a young player like Alfie Mawson when the senior partner at centre-back is doing crazy things like that um, 
I don't know if we've got a better option than than him at centre back um, to replace him because Jordi Amat is a lunatic as well, um, and Van der Horn is. I, I mean, he 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 moves like tectonic plates. He's just know? not a Premiership player. No, he's. he's I, I mean, at the in the Championship, I think Van der Horn could could do a decent job, but but in the Premier League, the pace of the game is just way too quick for him. He can't he can't do it. Um, so yeah, we're stuck with Fernandez really, but it's so uninspiring. And I think he's just signed a new deal. But I would hope that that is with a view to selling him for quite a bit of cash in the summer because he's not. I I don't know if and at another club he could still play, uh, still be a decent Premier League footballer. But at Swansea, there's there's just no hope. He's just not good enough for where we want to be. And the defense has been our big problem all season, and he's a big part of that, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll give it Fernandez just ahead of um, Andre, uh, sorry, sorry, Jordan Ayew, who, um, yeah, I still don't understand why we bought him, really. All right, and Josh, who impressed and disappointed for Manchester United? So, um, I had a couple of good, um, impressive performances today. I thought Rashford ran the channels really well, used his pace really well. Antonio Valencia was like a, a machine down that right-hand side. But I'll pick out Jesse Lingard. Um, he gets a lot of stick from uh, a certain section of United fans. And if, if I'm honest, I have given him stick in the past myself. I mean, he, but today he was excellent. Um, and the thing about a player like him is he's someone who's he's not going to be that world beater starting 11 every week. But you need players like him in your squad that are happy to sort of um, not play every week and, and then when they come in they can do a good job and most of the time he does do a good job because his game is sort of based on work rate, pace he's not got a lot of amazing skill and every now and then he pops up with a sensational goal and, and he, he likes scoring at Wembley and today he re- he played through the middle I'm still not 100% sure what formation we played um, but he was playing through the middle sort of behind Rashford and really driving at the Middlesbrough centre-backs and defence in general. He slipped Rashford in a few times, um, obviously scored a sensational goal, um, and and really was an excellent outlet for us all game. So, I, you know, I picked him out, um, and, and hopefully he sort of builds on that. And We just need to see more consistency out of him, and, and you will you'll start to see... Um, He's, you know, he he'll get a lot more love from the fans. I mean, he's a United, he's United through and through, been at the club for years and years. And actually, even Sir Alex Ferguson, when he was talking about him when he was a lot younger, when he was about seventeen or eighteen, picked him out and said, "Look, this is Jesse Lingard is a quality footballer, but you'll see the best of him at around twenty three, twenty four, and then you'll start to see him come through into the team, which is exactly what's happened." And hopefully he kicks on and, and, and uses this performance as a, as a benchmark for himself going forward. <clears throat> In terms of a player that disappointed, yeah, Chris Smalling, I just don't know what's going on with him. Last season, he was excellent. He started off this season very well. Um, but it's just, he's just fallen by the wayside. And in fact, I could pick any one of the centre-backs that played today other than Bay, but um, Smalling was was particularly poor, at fault for the goal, tried to clear a ball with his right foot, which he should have just put his left left foot through. Um, and then at that point, we invited pressure, and he's, supposed, he's the captain. He's supposed to be sort of leading that back line, but we were all over the place. 
And I mean, I don't think it helps that we were playing an unfamiliar formation and by the end of it had four centre-backs on the pitch. But individually, his performance was poor. Um, you know, he, he's not good enough with the ball to step out of defence. In, in you know, when you're playing a three-man back line, you, you hope that one of them can step out and, and sort of contribute in that midfield area, especially when the opposition are playing one up top. And he just can't do that. And, you know, he's played some awful ball today. I, I just don't know what's happened to him because he was really very, very good for us last year under Van Gaal. And this yeah. year, I, I just can't. I would be surprised. He was that bad today that I would be surprised if he starts again for United. He was awful today. Wow. Um, yeah, for Tottenham, uh, it was <laughs> truly a game of two halves, if you'll pardon the cliche. Uh, Ali and Eriksson were just phenomenal in the first half. Also, I forgot to mention in the uh, making the rounds, <laughs> there's been a lot of debate about where Della Ali will play long term. I, for a long time, thought he'd eventually move a little bit further back. But obviously, the goal scoring has been incredible this season, leading people to think he is going to end up staying as an attacking midfielder. Or some people even calling him, you know, maybe he's going to be a false nine. Maybe he's going to be an actual forward someday. Uh, and Mauricio Pochettino was asked about it. And he said, uh, it doesn't matter where he plays. He's going to be good. So uh, don't worry. We can stop having that debate. Pochettino is just going to play him places. And he's just going to keep being good there, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was very impressed with Del Ali. I think Walker was a good outlet for us, again, on the right. It, it really will be crucial for us getting Danny Rose back, doing the overlap on the other side as well to keep everybody pinned back. Um, but, yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably go with Del Ali. Earned and took the penalty. Erickson in the first half. When Erickson is, is at his best, <clears throat> we play very well. Although, as I've said in the past, I think sometimes Erickson plays his best when we're playing well, um, not the other way around. But I was really impressed with that duo on the whole. Uh, disappointed, really hard. <laughs> oh, also, I didn't mention Debele or Wanyama, who were just ridiculous in the midfield. They were so terrific um, just throughout. Wanyama just continues to be a ridiculous piece of business. <laughs> business. Business. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in the season, when we were in a 4-2-3-1, I really wasn't that huge a fan of his because he's a very limited player. But ever since we started playing this three at the back and his role has only become to protect the back line, you know, I know everybody is having their Conte week right now because um, he scored a goal and that's reminded people that he can defend, which is a phenomenon I'll never understand. Um, Conte is, is absolutely terrific. But he also did cost $30 million. I'm not saying he wasn't worth that. He's, you know, in a title-winning uh, team most likely for a second straight season. I think there's a lot of reason to that. But Wanyama for 12 was just is just absurd. The way he's played for us since we've adopted this new formation – it's just been nothing short of fantastic. And Dembele couldn't be dispossessed if you wanted to. There was that old joke about Dembele that on his best day you couldn't get the ball off of him and on his worst day you wouldn't want to. He's really eliminated He's really eliminated that second part um, and has, has just been terrific for us. And then Winks comes on and he passes the ball well. I really was impressed. The second half I think was a team failure. I think it was a relaxation with the two-goal lead that we really can't afford if we want to secure top four. <laughs> and something occurred to me just a second ago, which is Leicester are still in the Champions League. And this has happened to us before. So we really need to make sure that it's top three. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I was very pleased with most of the performances on the whole. Uh, a little disappointed with Toby. But like I said, you can't be too harsh on him. Um but yeah, I'll just say our front three in the second half. Things just got really stagnant, really, after the break. All right, and that'll do it for us today. So if you guys have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. 
So as usual, we're carrying on our West Ham podcast called More Than Just a Podcast. Um, and we've just completed a London Stadium uh, study or survey by 6,360 fans, match game fans. And we'll be releasing it on the podcast tomorrow um, and uh, on our blogs, Claret and Hugh and West Ham Till I Die and uh, sending it to the West Ham board. So that's the exciting project. I'm not allowed to. It's embargoed at the moment, so I can't reveal the results. But we asked 21 questions to West Ham fans all about the London Stadium and the former or the former Olympic Stadium. You've known it and, and how happy fans are seven months in. The results will be known soon. Um, yeah, the Jackass will be recording um, early in the week, um, probably Tuesday night, uh, and we'll be looking back at the Swans match and looking forward to um, Wales's huge match against Ireland uh, during the international break. Um, and you can find us on Twitter, Jackass. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, you can find me at doc underscore joshy on Twitter and various podcasts, obviously including this one, and uh, various YouTube channels, which I will tweet from my Twitter. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. Also the lead fantasy writer now over at Goal.com, so be sure to go check that out. Although we will be a little light on content this week with the international break, but there will be a Team of the Week piece up today as you're listening to this. Um, also host the FPL Roundtable, which will be on a break uh, this week because of the aforementioned international break. Really, I'm going to stop plugging things because none of them are going to be happening this week. Um, but obviously, uh, if you want to reach us here at the podcast, you can do so by uh, following us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.